It's been far from a classic. But Aberdeen have done exactly everything right from this beautifully inside. Watson. Oh, the bar. Scanlon. Yes. What a marvellous goal to finish this match. They have won. Alec Ferguson is on now in the penalty area. There he's in. Aberdeen have definitely won the championship. Can you blame the man for going out of his mind temporarily? Hello and welcome to the latest By The Minute Avenue podcast. Tonight's show, looking back on the victory over Hearts on Friday night, which is a welcome boost to our chances of finishing second in the SPFL, and ahead to the big game on Saturday against Hibs, which may well define whether we do or do not finish second in the SPFL. Uh, joining me tonight to discuss that, I've got uh, Mark Elric, friend of the show. How are you, Mark? Hello, Richard. I'm good, yeah, thank you. Friend might be pushing it, acquaintance anyway. Um, but also we've got uh, back for another appearance, Erin Grieve. Erin, great to have you back on. Thank you for having me. So, um, to business and the visit of Craig Levine's travelling circus last Friday night. Um, I think the first shock, Mark, was certainly um, in the uh, lineups. I don't know if anyone really expected to see the name of Sam Cosgrove in the starting eleven. And it was a different shape to the uh, to the eleven that took the field as well. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected that, did they? Um, it, I was I was in the Pataudry Bar pre-match, and uh, I think as the team was uh, promoted on Twitter and or announced on Twitter and Facebook, uh, the, the bar went quiet, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then suddenly everyone uh, giving their opinion on it. But yeah, it was a big shock. It's always a shock, I think, to see Rooney on the bench. And then when you replace him with uh, Sam Cosgrove, um, you're, you're feeling the worst, really, aren't you? Well, I think Derek McInnes, when quizzed about the introduction of Cosgrove, he'd suggested that playing May and Rooney together hadn't really worked. But I don't think May and Rooney had really ever been played as a, an out-to-out front two in the way that May and Cosgrove were. It may was slightly off Cosgrove, perhaps you could argue it wasn't a straightforward 4 for 2 um, But again... It, it, it's not as if um, we spent the whole 19 minutes lumping balls up to Cosgrove, um, Aaron. It was um, it, it was a different shape, and it was it was done with the objective, I think, of uh, Derek McKenna spoke about playing around Hearts as three at the back. Yeah, I felt uh, the, the same. I was in the foundry actually with um, some of the blazing lamps. Waters Club, the team came out, and I think we all did the the look of is this the actual team it, it just didn't look like well it didn't look at anything I've seen this season which has been I think a bit of a worry recently that every single lineup is different but yeah Cosgrove played really nicely I thought um, I think it wasn't the standard four four two in that it wasn't just the two of them standing waiting for long balls kind of Chris Boyd style it was quite nice I'd I'm not sure why I think of Stevie May still, but I think Cosgo was very good. And his header that was saved, when you watch it in the highlights, was actually a lot closer than it looked. It was very nice. Um, I think the other thing which was noticeable um, about that intention to play around the back three and not only engage them with Cosgrove and May, but also have McGinn and Gramakai Stephen attacking them, but from the wrong side that you might expect if they were playing playing as wingers. And that was obviously helped contribute to Mackay Stevens' goal because he came in on on the right side to finish it um, as opposed to being on the right side you might expect him to be able to get crosses into the box. Again, just an interesting tweak, Mark, and I think it was important, obviously, we played three times against Hearts prior to this and not scored. So I think he was entirely within his rights to try something different. We definitely needed to try something different. Um, and, and the few players that we've spoken about already probably confused Hearts a little bit as well. You know, Mackay Stephen and, and McGinn kind of, as you say, playing on the wrong side. The introduction of Cosgrove, maybe they didn't, they were unsure how to how to approach it. Um, and that definitely worked in our favour. You know, 2-0 up at half time, can't complain. 
Yeah, I, Hearts clearly weren't up to weren't up to much, and uh, the game was pretty much almost done. I think the, the scoring of the first goal in these games tends to be uh, pretty important. And, and looking at that first goal, it, it does owe a lot to Sam Cosgrove's ability, but I think he deserves credit for not only his part in winning the header from the corner, but the fact he didn't try and do too much with it. He just put it down into a decent area. I mean, there's some dreadful hearts defending to allow Anthony O'Connor completely spare. But again, Cosgrove, it would have been easy for Cosgrove in that situation to try a low percentage effort on goal. But he, he knocks it down into a very nice area and Anthony O'Connor gets a reward, Aaron. Yeah, I was quite pleased for him for that. Because when you look back at it, he's quite new. I mean, he got a standing ovation on Friday after his second one. But it's... His uh, earlier standing ovation, I think, was probably more due to the fact that he had, um, I suppose, potentially injured a player we're not all keen on. But he um, was quite, I think, grown up and quite sensible in the way that he was thinking about that coming in, which isn't easy to do when a ball comes in from a corner. And as you know, corner, it is probably, it's a goal that a lot of people wouldn't have scored, but it was, I think, his reaction to that. And I, when I saw sports, you see, he just, he goes straight to the fans, and I think we all probably were a bit annoyed with him recently, but the way he did that, I think he's probably learned his lesson. And actually, there were people booing him every touch after he'd scored a goal, and I thought, what are you doing? Well, that's just, the... You know, we're 1-0 up. Are you actually booing the only player who scored a goal? Mad. Well, let's go back and talk a bit more about Cosgrove, Mark, because he's, he's somebody that's taken a lot of criticism, partly for his um, infamous debut against Celtic, which was just a brainless thing to do. Um, I like, I, he enamoured himself to me. <laughs> I'm not, not going to lie. And I think, I think a lot of the... There has been a lot of online, particularly online... Uh, what's the word, I suppose? A lack of faith in Cosgrove right now. You know, he's a young guy. He's come from the lower leagues in England. He hasn't scored many goals. Um, Let's see what he can do. And I was, I like Aaron. I was, I was happy with uh, his performance um, on Friday night. I, it looked like McGinn had told him to sort of screw the nut, do the do the simple stuff, do it well, um, and and we'll build on that. And that's exactly what he'd done. Because Derek McKinnon's made the point of saying that, that he's only, he is only 20, but he, he plays like an 18-year-old. Which I thought was interesting, because I, th- I thought aspects of his game on Friday were actually very mature, such as the knockdown for the goal, such as the one in the second half where he chested it down for Stevie May. I, I thought there was a, a much more of an awareness of the game situation than you might expect from that assessment, Mark. Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. I also, I thought the crowd were, were with him, and... I mean, it was getting a little bit monotonous. Actually, every forty-yard back pass was being applauded. Um, but I think that was Aberdeen fans' way of showing, "Look, we are behind you here. Let's, you know, let's see what you're about." Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Cosgrove and seeing what he can do. And uh, a very blunt weapon, Evan. There's no, there's no question about that. But I. I I, again, I've touched on it before. I, I am impressed with the way the team didn't necessarily just resort to playing long balls from the back, which was always a temptation when Jaden Stockley started. Um, and it didn't really work for him. I mean, you know, I think we're seeing down in League Two now in England where Jaden's gone to Exeter. He does know where the back of the net is, and he did score a few goals for us up here. Um, but discipline obviously let Jaden down. We've seen that. Uh, Sam Cosgrove uh, has a bit of a short fuse as well with his uh, with his efforts on mm-hmm. with his efforts on Scott Brown. I think, um, I think we'll, we'll forgive him that one. And Derek McInnes, one signing, I made the point that you know, a young player at the bottom of the wage range, and he does he does offer something different to what's currently um, in the first team squad, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he didn't seem as young as he probably is. I think he seemed quite a mature, measured player, and I think he's possibly been maybe a, maybe a little bit of the striking, I suppose, the finishing that we've been missing. Stevie May has been good. He had some good balls in on Friday, and, and Rudy has been maybe not as good as we'd expect, but I think Sam Cosgrove might be what we would want Rooney and May to be. He's a bit more kind of forward, a bit more 
you know, up in the box. And that header was really good. And there were a lot of quite clever balls. I think there was a really good ball from Dominic Ball that he intuitively just knew Sam Cosgrove was going to pick up. And I don't know if that's something to do with training or just the way they seemed to play. But it was quite nice to see him kind of in control. And he actually seemed to enjoy it. And I think actually that was the nice thing about Friday in general. It was quite good fun. The players seemed to be having fun. The fans were enjoying it. It was a good fun game, which I think we've missed um, of late after the Hearts in the semi. Well, yeah, I think maybe the pressure was a little bit off come the second half anyway because it was pretty clear that Hearts weren't really going to threaten us too much. But but let's talk a bit more about Anthony O'Connor, uh, Mark. It, inevitably, there'd be some sort of reaction. There was some reaction that Kilmarnock the week before as well. Um, I and it was just a, a small minority of people that were booing him, certainly at the outset and uh, possibly less so after the goal. But I think inevitable that that was going to be the case, isn't it? I didn't hear anything booing. No? First, the first, no, no, the first I heard of it was when Erin mentioned it 10 minutes ago. I didn't, where I was sitting, there was no booing of O'Connor. Um, and I, 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 it wasn't audible from my seat either. So, um, yeah, I, I can't really comment on that. And I had to watch back the, the highlights to see what the celebration was because I, I saw saw quite a few people having a go and free celebration. And I've I've watched it again today, and I can't see anything wrong with it. I mean, what he's up to the south stand and he's kind of mouthing. Is it the word what? Is that what he's saying? And he's kind yeah, of seems to be. with it. I liked the celebration. I think yeah. he, he pushed the rest of the team out of the way to get to the fans. I think he's saying, you know, this is for you, and I'm sorry and. Um, I was in the south, uh, right beside the way fans. There was a bit of booing um, for him, and I wasn't delighted about the whole situation either. But actually, he was really good last week. He was really good this week. Is the best two games he's had all season. <laughs> well, maybe he needs to do what he did more often. <laughs> then, but, uh, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise him to do that. I think if, if I was, if I was a professional footballer and I'd done something as stupid as he had done, my reaction when scoring a goal would have been exactly the same as O'Connor's on Friday. I'd have been straight up to the fans and I'd have been giving it, look at me, come on, come on. Okay. I think he was apologising to the fans and saying, look, I'm sorry, but look what I've done for you. We're 1-0 up. We need this three points. Possibly. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't look like an apology. No, I would say that would be a very generous, <laughs> generous appraisal. Like that because he seems to have actually really put in a lot of effort the last two games, more effort than he's put in uh, probably all season. So it's nice to see that and I mean, he's probably going, I suppose. Well, contract's up. I'd like to get a new one. So, um, I think that's probably him gone. But at least, you know, his goal, I suppose, sparked a bit of confidence in the team and things looked... I mean, we looked like we could have scored about five after yeah. we scored that one. So, we'll, we'll say bye to him pleasantly. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I, I think one of the things which uh, maybe helped to diffuse things slightly, uh, we had a rather odd scenario of Derek McInnes issuing a sort of pre-match rallying call uh, before Friday's game. And I think it was maybe designed to partly diffuse any abuse of Anthony O'Connor or, or whoever else uh, that was wearing red over the next few games. Because um, there's no doubt that uh, the Hibs, for example, are, are everyone's moving in the right direction with them this year, and it has been it has been difficulty getting everybody in the same direction ever since. I think, Aaron, the, the Dirk McKenna's approach in the summer, I think people understood from Sunderland. I think a lot of people took it as a personal affront that uh, Dirk McKenna's wanted to speak to and hear the Rangers offer out. Um, yeah, because I think everyone hates Rangers. I don't have to pretend that we all don't really hate Rangers. Um, I think I think people get so upset because people forget it's his job. I mean, if you were living away from your family, you know, working at somewhere that you might really like but isn't maybe deep down the place you want to be and you get a job offer where you can move home and you can work for somewhere you care about, why would you not speak to people? I don't mind him. Well, it was unpleasant when he was doing it because you obviously worried that he would take it. But I don't think realistically anyone can massively resent that. But I think it did unsettle things. But I think it unsettled things because of the way the media and probably Rangers went about it. And I think 
I said, I said the whole time he will not go. And he didn't go. Um, and I think what happened that was the main issue is that there was so much uncertainty about what's happening is that we lost six points. In fact, probably nine points, really, that we shouldn't have lost. And I think we probably just need to now stop. Every time a manager resigns, there's panic that Derek McInnes is going to go there. And I think we just need to stop it because if he wants to go somewhere, he will. But there's no point imagining your manager's left before he has. And I think he cares quite a lot about the club. And I don't think he is... I don't think he would go unless it was really really what he wanted to do and was a really good offer. I don't think he's stupid. What's going to take Mark to generate the sort of levels of togetherness that he clearly wants to have from the terraces? Is it possible, even at Aberdeen? Has it ever been possible? Um, the Scottish Cup would have helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, winning the next three games will help massively. You know, you don't want to go through a whole season not beating Celtic again. You don't want to go through a whole season not beating Rangers. Um so that I think there's still there's still a lot of love for McInnes. Um but perhaps the people that don't back McInnes at the moment are shouting louder. So I think that that has to be taken into account. Um but Martin are looking for a manager, aren't they? He's a former <laughs> Martin player. Will there be like a I don't know will Katongo be out saying that he's the perfect man for the Martin? I don't you know. I, I don't know. I, the togetherness at Aberdeen, it, I mean, it has happened in his time. Um, everyone was kind of pulling together 2014, 2015. By the time, if we if we get European football, by the time that comes round again and McInnes is still here, then we'll all be pulling together again, I think. Yeah, I, I think the, the important point that you raised there is about that victory over the Rangers, that victory over Celtic. In a scenario where you're not going to win anything, and obviously it's very, very difficult to win the league from where we are, and even cup performances, you still got to get through Celtic, even if you don't foul up along the way against a very limited but uh, brave Motherwell team. Uh, you do need those kind of statement wins that it just helps keep the fan base on side. I, I compare it with Spurs, Aaron. I mean, Spurs haven't won a trophy for a while, and there's been question marks over... Pochettino because of that they're finishing at the right end of the table but what they are giving their fans is victories over Man United at home victories over Arsenal at home they are winning those one-off games which we are not doing to give the support that to belief that you know they could do it again in a cup final um, Yeah I find it's first been an odd with the season I think they've really struggled playing at Wembley which I suppose is understandable it's not your home ground but um I suppose we don't really have that excuse at all. We've just been poor when it counts. I think the semi-final was... Well, I was at the semi-final, was so unbearable. Um, and yeah, I think... I don't remember, you know, we'd finished ninth and it was... Or eighth and it was an achievement. And suddenly finishing second and getting to cup semi is not good enough, which I can understand. I mean, we're actually probably... Well, not guaranteed second, but I think there's now an expectation that we will win a trophy or finish second or challenge for the league. And I think maybe the expectation is so much that the, the players panic. I don't, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, you know, people say, oh, it's Derek's fault, but he, he picks the team. We can't go out and play for them. And I've seen Dominic Ball was really good on Friday night, but then I've seen him play and be so bad that you wonder how he's playing. So, I don't know if it's just a bit of mindset in the players there. I suppose the next three games, Celtic Rangers especially, will show whether it is just a mental block they've got that they think they can't beat these teams. I mean, we beat Hearts 2-0, Hearts beat Celtic 4-0. It's not as though Celtic this season have been unbeatable. Rangers have lost to Kelly. You know, Rangers have lost to St Johnston. They've lost what would have been thought of for them as easy games. So, I'm hoping it's maybe a mental block that's now finished but I suppose we'll see. Okay well let's take it back a step or two. Let's actually talk about Don Ball because I think one of the issues where people have critiqued McInnes correctly this season has been trying to force uh, round pegs into square holes but Dominic Ball has played 
in that holding midfield, defensive midfield role the last couple of games. And he's performed pretty well, Mark. We're, you know, we're finally getting a, a tune out of him, but it's because he's playing in a, a much more familiar position, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was impressed with uh, Dominic Ball on Friday. Um, uh, that's probably about the limit of my Dominic Ball knowledge. <laughs> um, when we played Celtic and he um, he filled in for Shane Logan, I thought he had a pretty good game then. That part um, did, yeah. I, did he or, or didn't he? Cause yeah, he did, he did, yeah. Yeah. In the minority in that kind of thought. Um, and I thought he had a reasonable semi-final for the first 20 minutes. Now, bearing in mind, I was in Spain, and it was all-inclusive, and I was drinking lots of whiskey. <laughs> um, but for the first 20 minutes, I thought he had a solid game. And then, then he shit the bed. And then it all it all went it all went out the window, you know? Um, but I think the last couple of games, Dominic Ball has kind of come into his own. Um, but maybe that's just what you get with being in the starting eleven. You get you get a chance to to work out who you're playing with, where everyone is positionally. You have that position as your own. I thought he, he did okay at right back, but he's definitely playing better where he is now. Of course, what we saw as well on Friday was a change of shape, and if again another critique of McInnes has been that he's really really tied to the four two three one, and you know why not? But he's had a fair degree of success with it, and we've had the players that really fit that system in the past. But maybe this season we haven't always had those players, and there has been a reluctance on his part to make that sort of tactical shift. And it, I think it showed on Friday night, Evan, that you know we are capable of playing in different setups and different formations. And there is that flexibility in the squad that we've maybe questioned the times we've gone to three at the back, for example, and, and looked very awkward. Yeah, I think the nice thing on Friday was it didn't look awkward. No one really looked uncomfortable. Kenny McLean was playing all over the place. A lot of players were playing that, what I would have called out of position and all over the place. But it looked quite nice. It all looked like everyone knew what they were meant to be doing. It looked like they kind of practiced this and thought about it all week, which gives you a bit of confidence in the team. And I think the game generally was, I suppose for the fans and probably for the players, quite relaxed because everyone was enjoying it. And I suppose, you know, for the players, when you're tuna up and when you're obviously playing better football and the fans are behind you, it's much more pleasant. And I was watching the highlights on Saturday morning, actually, and bits that you don't kind of notice when you're at the game, just dominant ball, that shot actually was pretty good and he's got quite a lot of clever balls out McGinn was actually really good better than I thought when I was there um, some really good his corners are excellent you know good free kicks from Stevie May and just I suppose the fans enjoying it and then the players enjoying the fact that the fans are enjoying it and um, I think because of the way the hearts play they get very easily riled up and uh, Beryl wasn't having a very good second half which you know, for the fans is it's great to see that the other team are falling to bits because they're just getting frustrated. One of the uh, other tweaks, which uh, is a standard mechanicism, I guess, is uh, that Graham Shinney was at left-back, but really he, he had a very much a man-marking role on Stephen Naismith, uh, Mark. So it meant that when we were defending, he would broadly be in a left-back position, although... Now McGinn was being asked to do a fair bit of tracking back uh, to cover for the fact that he might still be on Naismith. But it meant that when we were attacking, Shinny was able to return to almost a more traditional midfield uh, place because Naismith would again obviously retreat to the Hearts midfield. Uh, again, just another interesting tweak. Um, a lot of people have called for Graham Shinny at left back. Part full time, but I don't really see that for as long as Shinny is going to be at Pitodri, we're going to see him removed from the midfield on a, any sort of permanent basis, are we? No. No. Um, I, I've been touting Reynolds for left-back for a while. I don't know if that would maybe solve that kind of... Or maybe that's more round pegs, square holes and stuff. But um, I think I think Reynolds could do a job at left-back. Um, I didn't even know Naismith was playing until the second half, and he did something that reminded me of Naismith. And uh, so yeah, that, that's all testament to Graham Shinney kind of marking him out of the game. Um, Shinney was an outstanding left back for 
Inverness Cali. He can obviously play there. That is probably his preferred role. But in his time in Aberdeen, he's he's, he's shone in the midfield. And if you do move him left back, then who do you replace that shinny shaped hole in midfield with? That? Yeah, and it's uh, obviously worth reminding ourselves how life tends to go without Graham Shinney in the Aberdeen team full stop. Um, one more uh, point from Friday, well two more, but let's, uh, the first one Aberdeen related. Uh, Gary Mackay Stephen, another composed finish. There's an argument that he's maybe the best finisher currently at the club, which um, might be quite a slight on guys like Stevie May and Adam Rooney, but uh, I think his work this season uh, when placed in those positions, generally, there was uh, quite a big miss at Ibrox in December, as I recall, but generally, very composed, nice work, first-time finish. He's got one year left in his deal, as does Graham Shinney. Evan, how much of the uh, Aberdeen money would you throw at Gary McKay Stephen to get him to, uh, to get him to hang about? Um, gosh, I mean, I don't want to say all of it, because I feel like we need to get some other players... He's very good, he is, and yeah, you know what, saying he's the best finisher, I mean, sure Rooney and Stephen May would be offended by that, but I've actually not seen them do much that I can even remember. And I think GMS is so, he's really, he's just really good, and he really cares, and he thinks about the game, he thinks about where he's going to be, what it needs to be. His look and his little point to Kenny McLean for that pass, and actually, to be fair, Kenny McLean deserves as much credit as he does for that goal. The weight on that pass is absolutely beautiful. And he just is, you know, he knew the ball was going in. And I think Jim has a lot of the time just knows the ball's going to go in because he just knows what he's doing. He's pretty composed. He, His pace is unbelievable. And I think if he was thinking about leaving, we would seriously need to think about the money that we have to keep him. And Graham Shinney, I don't even want to think about Graham Shinney leaving. Um, I, when I got my shirt last season, I had to sign that form that says you'll accept that players may not stay because the transfer is not closed. And I was getting a Shinney one. And I said, oh, Shinney's never going to leave, don't worry. And I can't imagine that he ever will. But it worries me that he might because <clears> he's one of her own. Oh, well, um, don't get too attached to him. Don't stop it. I'm really emotionally attached to Graham Shinney. Um, no, we... It's players like that you just can't imagine not having because of the things that they do for the team that you can't imagine getting someone else in to do. Okay, that was only slightly stalkerish, Devin. Slightly stalkerish. I don't want to. But Graham Shane doesn't listen to Mark, McCash Stephen, yeah, he doesn't necessarily start every week, but he's providing a very effective contribution to this team, isn't he? Yeah, I like to see McCash Stephen in the. Starting 11 every week. If he's fit, then, then play him. That was probably the problem with the semi-final. Mackay Steven and, and McGinn, not 100%. Um, but yeah, I like him. He seems to have settled into the club really well. He's popular in Pataudry. Um, he's, yeah, I, I want to see him playing every day. He's, he's talented. He's, he's skillful. He's exactly what you want to see as a fan. You know, you want, you want uh, you want to see these little flicks and these intelligent runs and these yeah. little one twos. It's, it's exactly what you watch football for, I think. Okay, uh, the final comment I want to make about Friday's game is a simple one: Christoph Berra, what a gigantic twat, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you uh, hear what the the chants were? Uh, yes, it's, yes, just the shit, Scott McKenna. You know what, it's like, it's such a basic chant, but his face, he was so, so angry about it. And actually, the challenge in GMS was horrific. And every time I watch it back, it looks worse. That's a straight red all day. Yeah, it's a nasty one. A hundred percent. I mean, nowhere near the ball. Just, you know, he's, he's got, obviously got bad temper. And I think, yeah, they were down 2-0, they weren't having a great time, things weren't working for them. They don't play particularly nice football, so I can see why it's probably, he wasn't having his best night ever, but he was just losing the plot. If that game had gone on for another 10 minutes, just punch him in the face. The ball boy, um, as well, I think, wasn't that keen on them. Yes, and Mark, uh, how how much of a sort of petty little man do you have to be as a 32-year-old to get riled up by a 12-year-old ball boy? 
it was amazing, wasn't it? You know, <laughs> definitely a, a fully grown man acting like that because, what, a 13-year-old boy, 12-year-old boy threw the ball a little bit hard at him. <laughs> yeah. But he, he, you're right, he's a twat. His parents are obviously twats as well because he's called Christophe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, on, um, yeah, that was funny. That was funny. The ball boy deserves all the plaudits that's going to him right now. Yes, that was a classic look to camera afterwards. I love uh, so that was Friday night, finally okay. breaking the deadlock against Hearts this season and picking up three important points. Um, it, it, it's difficult to perhaps place too much emphasis on how well otherwise we did because Hearts were. I would imagine they'll rise. Uh, they'll they'll get themselves going for the visit of Hibs in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, other than that. Uh, Hearts season is pretty much at an end We do still have at least something to play for And we'll come on to the Hibs game very shortly But let's take a, a minute to discuss the um, Aberdeen-A um, oh, Fan funding, fan contribution, um, membership scheme Whatever you want to uh, term it as, it's um, reached over 3,000 uh, subscribers now, uh, contributing over half a million pounds uh, per annum to the club's football budget. Uh, this, uh, these are impressive numbers, whatever way you look at it, Aaron. Um, it's, it's not value for money, though, is it? I think that is quite an obvious statement, but it isn't. It's the, the, the perks you're getting do not amount to the contribution you're being asked to make. Uh, well, well, don't say that, because I signed up for all the truth. <laughs> Ted, what to say? So, apparently it's not a lot of money. Great. Um, no, but... Yeah, we under- but surely, sh- surely people understand it's an emotional investment as opposed to... Yeah, you, you I know. mean, you're, you're not getting £216 back, otherwise what would yeah. the point? But actually, to be fair, I think... Looking at it numbers-wise, um, and I did have a bit of a think, looking at it numbers-wise, it cost me less than a tenner a month, which is two coffees or whatever it is. I mean, you know, it's not ridiculous sums. Um, and £18 a month doesn't sound like a lot when, you know, come the new kit, I'll get a free shirt, things like that. Um, you know, you get 10% off in the shop, you get money off your season ticket, your TV membership, and, yeah, it's all perks that don't cost the club a huge, huge amount but to encourage people to sign up and I totally get that, you know the club are able to provide discounts on things or free things that won't cost them a huge amount but they will encourage people to give which, you know it's not a huge, huge amount of money that, you know, people are going to look at it and go, what do we show you going to do it um, and I think there are probably people who really, really care about the club and just can't afford it, which I completely understand. And in the same way, there's probably people who can afford it and will do it and don't really care about the club as much. But no one's forcing you to do it. You know, you're not really getting anything so special that anyone's going to feel, you know, guilty or upset they've not done it. But you know, it's it's a base, it's basically a way of donating to the club and getting some perks out of it as well. And... You know, other clubs do it, Hearts do it, and, you know, they've got similar things that Heads have got. Lots of clubs do a similar thing. And I think a lot of people have got quite defensive about it, but no one's making you do it. It's a choice, and if you've chosen to do it, that's fine. If you haven't, well, I don't think anyone's criticising people who haven't. Mark, um, yeah, I think... In many ways, there's been a tearing of the support happening for on a financial basis for a while because you've had things like the black and black and gold season tickets, for example. That's that's just another tier of investment, if you will, on top of your season ticket. Sure, you're getting stuff back, but you know, again, it's more money going into into the football operation. So I, I don't think the general concept should come as too much of a surprise to people. Nor should I think the fact that a football club is looking to make more money out of its fans. Yeah, what do you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> I, was waiting, I was waiting for a question, but there, there wasn't really one. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, my question is then: uh, <laughs> Do you do you understand the some of the vitriol we've seen associated with this online? Yeah, I do. I do to a degree. I do to a degree. Um, if anything, this should have been done years ago, though, is my personal opinion on it. It could maybe have been done differently, um, but 
probably going back to like the 90s when it was evident we couldn't compete financially with Celtic and with, you know, the other team. Um, it was probably evident and we should have we should have put some money in. I remember, what's the guy's name? Is it Was it Gavin Rossdale? Um, a boosh. I'm going off on a tangent here. But, um, I'm liking it. He, he, did he not offer to donate £1 million if Roy Aitken had dreadlocks? <laughs> I believe like, that that might have been said, yes. A genuine offer, though. <laughs> May not have been. Aitken said, uh, you know, he's open to all uh, <laughs> all avenues of expanding the transfer budget or the, the money, the football budget. Um, so, Obviously, since then, it's kind of been an issue that we need more money in the club to try and uh, try and boost the budget. Um, so perhaps something should have been done then. But I, I can see why people have a need to complain about it because we're Aberdonians, and, and Aberdonians just have this built-in uh, mechanism for complaining about things. Whether whether it's completely wholehearted or not, on the majority of people is it remains to be seen. Um, but if it, there's five hundred thousand pounds going to be in the club next season that wasn't there this season, that can only be a good thing for Aberdeen Football Club. And people's reasons for um, for signing up to it, they're going to vary massively across the board. I think it's I think it's brilliant for overseas fans. Yeah. I think that. If I was if I was abroad, I would have snapped it up straight away. And to be honest, I am. I have I have signed up to it. But you signed okay. You signed up to that. Was people better with the fact that I was just told it's not value for money? Well, no, I think that's two different things, though, and I think it can be... I think you can acknowledge yourself that it's maybe not, you know, the things that you're getting I'm from it. I'm not going to get 260 Yeah, I but I think that that is... That is it, it's almost like you have to... That needs to be stated as it is an investment, and that's going to lead on to my next point, with it being an investment, should the club consider recognising that investment on behalf of the fans, which now amounts to over half a million a year, and could well be more, should that be recognised with a shareholding in the club? For example, Tom Crossy's investment was 775000 last summer, and he got 5%, more than 5% of the allotted shareholding. So, so that was basically my next question. If you acknowledge that it's an invest, an emotional investment, it's not yeah, just a case of getting something... Then you know should that be recognised by shareholding? I accept, of course, that people have signed up without there being shares on offer. This this was going to be my next point as well, um, but I did I saw it written, written down in the notes, so I, did, so I didn't mention it. So get that away. There's no notes. Well, I, I just I knew where Richard was going with this. You see, and uh, <laughs> maybe maybe not necessarily a shareholding, but there should definitely be some sort of vote. I mean, that's the model that's used kind of across Europe, isn't it? You know, you pay, you pay your money yeah. and then there could be a, an elected member of, of Aberdeen fans put on the board um, to be able to voice opinions, concerns, whatever. Because collectively we are, you know, members of... It's a terrible name as well, isn't it? Aberdeen oh, it's awful. It's awful. It's, it's nearly as bad as Aurora. <laughs> nearly as bad as Aurora. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. But, um, yeah, there, there should be some sort of a representative within that group that um, can act as like a go-between between the the board and 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 members and and fans in general, to be honest with you. But um, if if there is a group of people contributing that amount of money, then there probably should be a slice of I don't know a, a slice of decision making. Well, obviously there have been you know they've been it's been quite woolly so far, but they've spoken about. You know, Aberdeen, Aberdeen, I hate saying it. Can it come up with a new name, Aberdeen? Uh, Aberdeen influence is the, the word they've used. I don't know, none, none of us know how that's actually going to look like. Um, but of course, the worry, Aaron, would be that, and you know, we've had Don supporters together on this show. Um, I think it's uh, what they do is a good thing, but it, you can't get away from the feeling that the club just pay lip service to them. And how would that differ to? You know what might happen to any um, 
message coming through from um, the Aberdeen A group. Yeah, there seems what three thousand people signed up, which is a lot of people. But how much kind of you know voting share or influence would they give them? Probably not a lot. And and then you're in the position where you know there are people who really care about the club and can't afford it, or people who have bought it but you know maybe don't care as much. And then you think, well, are the right people having you know the right amount of say in things? And it becomes difficult because three thousand people is is a lot on the face of it, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not huge, you know, it's maybe a fifth of the fans that turn up, and then, you know, people say, oh, well, I couldn't get it because I couldn't afford it, but I really, and you're just in a position where the club can't win, so I think, you know, people have signed up to it on what it is, which is essentially a scheme whereby you sign up and you get some perks, and if you don't think the perks are enough, or if you think, I can't, you know, afford to do that, or if I don't want to, that's fine, um, and I actually had, to be fair, been weighing it up for a little while, but but I got sure, you know, and, and you look at the money off the season ticket and all of that, and it kind of works out not that badly. But I don't, I don't think when we're introducing what is a brand new scheme, we should be putting people in a position where they're feeling like they don't have something or they're missing out, and you know, people arguing with each other. I think fans are enough arguing with each other without us encouraging it. So I think as it is just now, is fine. If the club wants to develop it, you know, also fine. But I think, you know. For the moment, I think keep it how it is, and just I suppose see how we get on with it. Uh, I guess, Mark, if you, if you develop the idea of uh, this investment getting a shareholding, it, it become it begins to look a bit more like the Foundation Hearts model, uh, and ultimately fan ownership. Is that something you would be in favour of or against? Um, I think we'd have to see, don't we? I think fan ownership works, and it probably is the way forward. And I think in terms of size and scale, I think a club like Aberdeen, it's probably at the line where fan ownership would work. I don't know. I, I, I need to read a bit more into that. I do agree with what Erin said, though, about um, about the people who have paid their money to that. Are they the right people to be making the decisions as well? Because they're not necessarily. You know, the the, the I'll use my dad as an example. He's kind of priced out of it. He can't. Yeah. He can't justify that amount of money. There's no kind of pensioner scheme. There's you know but he's been going to photography for sixty, sixty five, seventy years or something, you know? Like he would have the club at heart, but he can't he's not in a position to pay that whatever fee, you know, to, to be able to have a voice to to be like that. Whereas some oil exec in the Arab Emirates, you know, is, is his intentions better because he have a you know, it, it's I hadn't really thought of that. It's a it's a fine line there as well. Down to fan ownership, you know, Motherwell are doing okay with it, aren't they? St. Midden are doing okay with it. They're doing very well with it, evidently. I think yeah. it, I think it's quite telling though that the clubs in Scotland have gone down that route. You know, those that are of a decent size, that is, they're all ones which have had recent, fairly recent financial traumas. Now, it's not to say we haven't had our difficulties, but um, it's difficult to see how how. Maybe fan ownership wouldn't have gone in the state if we got to in the first place, but it's difficult to see how a fan ownership model pumps in the money that, uh, you know, between them, Aberdeen Asset Management and Stuart Milne Group have put in a sort of guts of £8 million over the course of 15, 16 years. Uh, of course, the argument comes back to, you know, would you have let, would fans have let the club get to that point? It's, yeah, it's all hypotheticals now, but, uh, it's um, it, it's an open argument, I suppose, and certainly as Hearts move towards that model, I, I think we'll probably will see more Scottish clubs um, move down that road. Uh, but we're all Reds, basically, whether you're contributing or not. Um, I, I tend to think there's been far too many uh, people, instead of everyone... Um, Firing in the same direction. I mean, what we need is is the good old um, Alex Ferguson sort of. Uh, we need um, we need a cause to fight against. Basically, we need to get that siege mentality that Fergie generated so brilliantly. Um, we don't seem to have that right now. It seems to, it's almost like a complacency, a comfort zone in some respects. But um, maybe the visit of Neil Lennon and Hibbs on Saturday will provide something to focus our eye on. And the thing is about Hibbs on Saturday. Erin, is that they will attack us. We know that that's the way they set up, that's the way they play. They're good going front to back. 
A couple of years ago, I, I would have said that's absolutely ideal for us. With this current side, I'm not so sure that that's that's brilliant for us, Aaron, because we used to be a counter-attacking side, we used to be very good at that. And I think what we've done over the past few years, and we've become much better at dealing with teams who just want to come in and sit in, and our record against the bottom half of the Premiership bears that out. But if you want to come and attack us, I kind of feel the opportunity is there for you to do that. Yeah, I think I would have said the same, but actually... um... After Friday night and that lineup looking so strange and yet us being so good, I mean, who knows? I mean, we might look at the team on Saturday and think, this is madness and it'll be fine. Um, hey, this is an odd one. We, I was at Easter Road when we won 1 0, the really good goal from GMS. And then obviously the pre Christmas game where we were, I mean, we should probably won 6 0, it was 4 1, I think, and GMS excellent again. And then the 2 0 loss to Easter Road was. Just strange. It came off the back of the Dundee United win, I, and I, I was really—I really like his road. I was really excited about the game, and I thought it would have been a nice display of us playing what had been recently some quite good football. But we were strange, and I think I think his picked up on that and went a lot more attacking than they normally would have done. And I think you're probably right in that we, when faced with a very attacking side, panic because our defence is probably not the best, so I'm hoping they will just go all out attack on the basis that we'll do a Brazil and if they score six we'll find we can score seven <laughs> Hibs are kind of where they are Mark because they had a very very good January window uh, we mm. maybe didn't have quite uh, quite the same impact in January but basically they entirely upgraded their front line, they went from having a guy who simply isn't good enough for the for the, for the top path of the table, and Simon Murray, um, and a guy who is barely reliable enough to turn up for training, and Anthony Stokes, uh, to to two guys who who are making a proper impact in Canberra and McLaren. Um, it, it it's the basis of a solid team. They're basically I kind of feel they're they're where we were last season, and that they've had the team together for a few years, the bulk of it. And they're just being able to add bits here and there, but it could all break up this summer for them. Well, I hope so. Hope so. <laughs> um, it, it used to rule Canberra was was their main man. I thought in in the first half was it not no no half time. No no half time. Yeah. yeah. Not much um, had happened. No no not much at all. But he was he was playing very well. And I think I tweeted that we have to watch him. And then within 10 minutes or something, I think he'd scored and himself a second. And, and Mackay Stephen was absent that day. Is that correct as well? Shinny was out. Mackay Stephen was left wing back. Oh, Shinny right. was suspended. It was his two-game suspension, Hibs and then Celtic. Right, OK. We missed, we missed him a lot. So we'll have Shinny. And uh, Mackay Stephen won't be playing left wing back. Um, well, so we'll never. You told oh, we, never, we never know. Exactly, he might be. He might be, who knows, who knows. Um, he could be in any position except probably goals. Uh, he, he might have a go there. But um, I think uh, hopefully the Easter Road game was, was an anomaly and uh, we get back to the 4 0, 1 trouncing of the Mook Tarpy. But oh. um, they are a good team and I, I thought they would do well this season. I didn't think they would do this well, but uh, I did think it would do well. So, Graham Shinney will likely play on Saturday, but we will be without uh, Kenny McLean. So, uh, how do we replace that, Owen? Is it just a case of Dominic Ball stays in that midfield, Shinney moves into in there, and we put Andy Constantine and Mark Reynolds back to left-back? Is it as simple as that? Um, you'd like to think it was. It's probably not. Actually, Mark Reynolds has been pretty good. I was a bit wary when he came on for St Johnston. He came on 30 seconds later, we conceded a goal. But actually, it wasn't his fault, and I felt bad for him that the timing was that. But um, he's been okay, actually. Constantine, I think, is possibly a little off the pace at times, but he's not bad. Um, and I, don't, I just, Kenny O'Clean has been unbelievable recently. The, the minute he signed for Norwich, he's become so good. So it's. Difficult to imagine. I mean, the semi was horrific when he wasn't playing. And it's hard to imagine how good we'll be without him there. But Shinny makes a big difference. And Dominic Ball was very good on Friday. And I wonder if that was maybe some kind of practice. Dominic Ball didn't play really, I would say, defensively. I think he was a lot more, I suppose, forward and aggressive than I'd expected. And was really good. So 
I just thought we have to talk. We win it. Two home wins, and that'll do. But you never know. We could lose them both and then beat Celtic 7 0. Yeah, Evan, I'll have some of what you're having. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I don't even think I'd get all from 7 0, to be fair. But the way this season has gone, who knows what happens. I mean, historically, it's been a good matchup for us, Mark. We're at home, uh, a lot has been made of Hibs' current form, but that really does focus on the fact that they've won the last seven straight at Easter Road. Away from home, they've done okay. I think the last eight, they've won two, drawn four and lost two. The only kind of win which you'd pick out from that is the one at Ibrox, and they just seem to have the the sign over over them this season. Um, Whilst they're playing well, it's still a game we should be considering to be favourites and we should be going out there to get the three points I think we should be uh, we, I, I hate to consider ourselves favourites against a team like Hibs but I do I do agree with you I think we we should be um, who to replace and playing with is is a strange one as well um, yeah I, th- I think we should go all out to win I think it's going to be 5 nil Aberdeen simple Okay, uh, five now in, whereas Evan <laughs> thinks we'll lose. Evan thinks we'll lose and win seven nil at Celtic Park. Five nil yeah, that'll be my prediction. Yeah, I would say three one. I think you know Hibs will come and attack us, and uh, it, it, it's how we uh, how we deal with that, I suppose. Will Will Ambrose be playing? He certainly has been. Five nil Aberdeen. <laughs> so, I feel like I need to put that on now because I think, well, if it does happen, I'll be annoyed. But three-one, uh, maybe. I, I think we probably will do it. I think Friday was really good for the Souls' mentality and positivity, and the team looked really happy. And I think a bit of confidence has probably been good. And I actually think we will then manage Tuesday. Hopefully, I mean, one nil will do. One nil twice will do. A win's a win. Five yeah. <laughs> nil would be glorious. I'm inevitably going to regret saying this, but I was actually much more concerned before the match about the game on Friday than I am about this Saturday, which is which is ridiculous given the the respective form and quality of the two teams. But, but it's, it's the two top form teams in Scotland that are playing, isn't it? So it, it should be a great game. Don't say that either. Well, it, it's true though, isn't it? You know, I think we've got 15 points from the last six games. Hibs have got 14 from the last six games. I think. It is statistically true, or the it, best kind of true, as is the well, So, I mean, the two foreign teams in Scotland coming together, Saturday 3pm, you know, sun will be shining, 5 nil Aberdeen. Correct, Saturday 3pm, sun will be shining, two best foreign teams, you'd think someone would want on the telly. <laughs> yeah, you'd think. Okay, uh, on that unexpected note of positivity, um, which went from Evan reckoning we'd lose the next two games, that's winning 5-0, um, we will end it there. Um, it's been it's been a joy as ever. Uh, my thank you to Evan Greaves, thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, my thank you to Mark Elric. Mark, thank you. Thank you, Richard. Okay, we will be back next week uh, looking back at the Hibs game and ahead to our final home game of the season against some team or other from Glasgow. Until then, come on you guys.